Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you're looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. Before we get into uh, the message, I'm going to start with a little bit of fun here today. All right. Hopefully, if you're tired, it'll wake you up a little bit. But we're going to do a little bit of name that tune this morning. A little bit of name that tune. Okay. So um, hopefully I'll remember how to play all these songs. I didn't run through them this morning yet. I did yesterday. Okay, cool. So there's a couple of them. Uh, This one, I think you guys might get. This is a movie, but it just goes. Ah, just two notes. And then it gets closer. Ah, And the shard comes up and it's the really bad graphics, you know, the animatronics, right? <clears throat> okay, cool. That's a good one. That's a little warm up for you. All right. So the uh, the second one is if you've ever been to a Suns game. So Dom's going to get this right away, or uh, or a sporting event. You probably recognize this. It goes like this. Um, I'll do it here. <laughs> nice. Uh, crazy train, crazy train, a little crazy train. That's the only way I knew it. See, I didn't even know what the name of the song was. I knew how to play it, and Jill had to find it like on a Friday night because I was like, it goes na 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 na. I I I. She's looking at me like what? But so thank you for helping me find the crazy train song. <clears throat> All right, so now we'll do. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, 1977. Okay. Yeah, but uh, I, I, right, because you may, this is a classic one. It goes, hold on a second. Oh, there it goes. Here we go. Ready? One more time. There we go. Each moment with you. Yeah. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Some of y'all went back to high, y'all went back to middle school right there. You were like, I remember the Sadie Hawkins Day dance. I remember, yeah, go oh, the lights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so let me fast forward to uh, 20 years. <clears throat> 1997, away from 77 to 97. Uh, this one I remember. Oh! There you go. <laughs> yeah. 
Nice, 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 nice. I knew we were, we had a whole bunch of sinners in this church. Look at you guys. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> she, she went right back to I, I, I. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. All right. Uh, go back really young, really young. This is my wife's favorite one. Ready? You'll get it here. Wait, 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 wait. Right here. You'll get it right here. You put your right hand in. Put your right hand out. Put your right hand in. And you shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey. You turn yourself around. That's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my favorite. No, that's why I, I, she hates it. That's why I said it was her favorite one. Um, okay, uh, I won't even play the chords for this one because I think if you were a church kid and grew up in church at any point in time, you probably uh, remember this one. Oh man! There you go. And I okay. You don't remember how to spell it? <laughs> I am a C. I am a C H. I am a C H R I S T I A N, and I have C H R I S T in my H E A R T, and I will L I V E E T E R N A L L Y. Yay! <laughs> yeah, you got some church. You got some church kids in the in the house. Old church kids in the house, right? Um, all right. So um, maybe in the early two thousands for all you church folks. Uh, here's a little. Uh, You remember this one? We're blessed in the city. We're blessed in the city. We're blessed when we go. We are built and we're strong. When all the things are scattered. Because the devil is defeated. We are. Remember the break? Late. Everybody starts turning around. Their finger in the air. Yeah, Anita just did it for us. Thank you. There you go. A little participation back there. Yeah. Yeah. Turning around. And around. And around. And around. Cool. Uh, if you grew up in the South, then uh, you probably remember, uh, or if you went to a, a church that was influenced by the Pentecostal South, you remember the... I want to dance, 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 all night, all night. Remember what I think about Jesus? He goes, and when I think about Jesus and what he's done for me, when I think about Jesus and how he sets me free, I want to shout, 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 shout. You know, Jericho marching around, People taking bottles of oil and sprinkling it on your Holy Ghost car wash time. You walk through, you know, remember all those days? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, you're embarrassed? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that was me every, like, every every summer at the tent meeting revivals. that were always inside and never in a tent, but they called them tent meeting. That was weird. 
But um, every one of y'all remember this one. Remember? Forever? Forever I'll stand? Nothing? What about this one? the other one you came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to remember that one from the grave to the sky lord else anywhere I knew you sinners got saved at one point. <laughs> you went from went from uh, Casey and JoJo to Hillsong. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Uh, uh, what about? Thank you. 
Got to be a frontline person on those. Come walk with me. Into my heart. What's deep in me? Last one for all you frontliners. Um, time on that one. Ready? start this morning um, having a little bit of fun and walking down a memory lane or maybe sparking a time in your life where one of those songs kind of resonated with you and what you were doing and your life and your walk with God and the hard time you were facing. Um, and I'll, I'm going to get back to that in just a second, but I want to start in on the message, <clears throat> which is titled PDF. Anybody remember what the acronym was from last week? Anybody? Public display of faith, right. Public display of faith. Um, so what I want to do is I want to just kind of give us a quick three-minute summary of last week because it runs right into this week, okay? Um, last week we talked about how Paul's desire for everyone was for us to prophesy. And we talked about what prophecy was. It's not, you know, like the guy standing up and pull out your wallet. I can tell you the last four digits of the third card on your wallet and all that kind of stuff. But prophecy was something specific. We got that from the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, all of 1 Corinthians 13 and the first verse of 1 Corinthians 14. And that first verse of 14, I put in your notes, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Now, most of the we we talked about all of the the Old Testament prophets. We we didn't go through all of them, but we talked about how there were major prophets and minor prophets. <clears throat> how we know what was considered major and minor was that the minor prophets had anybody remember shorter books, and the major prophets were longer books. That's a, that's the only difference. And that the um, most of the prophets in the Old Testament, when we go back and look in the things that they read, had nothing to do with the end times or predicting the future. There were moments that that happened for sure, absolutely, that we look back on today and we draw from. But 
most of what they did, most of their role um, were to go back to the culture and say, why has your believing loyalty failed? That was the major role of the prophet, to stay close to God and go into a culture that is rejecting him and saying, hey, why are you no longer in line? Why are you no longer following the teachings of God? They spent most of their time asking people to think about their failure to believe or their failure to remain faithful to God, even though they knew that was what they were supposed to be doing. In the next line of your notes, biblical scholars repeatedly refer to Old Testament prophets as covenant. Anybody remember this one? Enforcers, covenant enforcers. <clears throat> we talked about that last week about how they were very familiar with the covenant between God and man. And then they went out and tried to call people to engage in that covenant. Um, next line in your notes, a prophet was God's mouthpiece, similar to a spokesperson, a spokesperson. A prophet remained loyal to the true God and called upon others to do the same. Next line, to speak with a prophetic voice doesn't mean to go out there and tell people the future or try to be mystic or anything like that. But to speak with a prophetic voice means to speak truth where truth needs to be told, to speak the way of righteousness and to represent God publicly. I'll go over those again. To speak with a prophetic voice means to speak truth where truth needs to be told, to speak the way of righteousness, and to represent God publicly. <clears throat> so that is a, a real, very brief synopsis of what we got into last week. And I wanted to bring that back to your remembrance because it's going to uh, fuel us and almost like an on-ramp to where we're going to go this week. So... When he says, when Paul says the beginning of 1 Corinthians 14, um, I want you uh, to desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy, he continues on. So let's keep reading with him in, ver in verse 2. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be taking, you'll be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues. Let me stop right here. I grew up in a denomination that prioritized speaking in tongues as if it was proof that you had Filled, we were filled with the Spirit and proof that you were saved with the evidence of speaking in tongues. What he's saying here is, I wish all of you would have that, meaning not everybody does. So if you are someone who that's not happened to, um, I, I don't want you to walk around and be discouraged. I know people who are like, that's, I have people who are pastors who tell me today, have you ever had a moment where this has happened, like had this kind of supernatural encounter with God? I'm like, yes, from time to time. And he said, I've never experienced that. I don't know why. Because they were raised like I was raised. Like, this is what you were supposed to do. And if you don't have it, then you are missing an element. You are without the power of God. And that's not what he says here. He says, I wish you would all have it, but he knows you don't. Okay. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what you're saying, so that the whole church will be strengthened. Strengthened. Dear brothers and sisters, if I could come to you, if I should come to you speaking an unknown language, how would that help you? 
But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful. Even lifeless instruments like the flute or harp must play the notes clearly or no one will recognize the melody. And if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know they're being called to battle? It is the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you are saying? You might as well be talking to an empty space. So I'm going to use this real quick and teach a lesson and then get into the message, okay? Next on your notes, Scripture has one interpretation but several applications. Scripture has one interpretation but several applications. It's important that we all understand this because all of us have been in rooms where people have read a passage of Scripture together. You've been in like a Bible study or a women's group or a men's group or something, and they've brought in, uh, they, they brought in a scripture and they read it out loud and they say this, make this statement. What does this scripture mean to you? Wrong question. Wrong question. It should be, what does this scripture mean, period? Because when I only ask you what it means to you, then you are filtering God's word through your understanding and experience and perspective and coming out with something that may not be right. We are not supposed to form God's word's perspective. God's word is supposed to, to form our perspective. It has one interpretation, but many applications. You can apply it in different ways in different circumstances. This is a great passage that kind of represents this. The interpretation of what Paul is saying is, hey, don't run around, if you, especially if you keep reading the chapter and the one to follow, don't be standing up here only speaking in tongues in your church services because no one understands what you're saying. Unless there's somebody to interpret, which I've seen very few people with that gift, honestly. Unless you have that gift to interpret, don't be doing this because it's going to cause confusion because you are edifying you and talking to God, but no one else knows what's going on. If unbelievers walk into your assembly and this is going on, they're going to look at you like you're nuts. His words, not mine, that he says later on in this chapter. He says, but if you are prophesying, not doing all the fortune telling and all that kind of stuff that is kind of normally tied to what people think prophecy is in our culture, but speaking the truth clearly when truth needs to be spoken, promoting people to live righteously and publicly displaying our faith then that is what we're supposed to be doing, and it benefits all of us. Why? Because it's clear. The interpretation is giving instruction for what should happen during, during our services together, but the application now goes outside of just our gathering together because he says you need to be clear to speak in a way that the people who are listening to you will understand you. This is a, a devastating blow to what I refer to as Christianese. We got our own lingo, right? Like whenever, when you're at a store and someone says, Happy Holidays, you go, sinner. You're waiting for the Merry Christmas, right? You're waiting for the, see, who's, who's brave enough to say it now? You know what I mean? If someone says, Have a nice day, you go, Have a nice day. But if they say, Have a blessed day, you go, Oh, hey, yeah, you go to church, don't 
Yeah, yeah. Well, bless you, brother. Hey, you know what I mean? Like, like this whole little lingo that we got going on is like this undercover thing that we gotta, you know, give a little a little private shout out to the people who are who are, you know, like the Christian folks. That is not what he's talking about here. Talk plain so people understand you. If people don't, the normal person doesn't understand the word righteousness. What does that mean? How can I present that in a way that's clear to everybody else so that they're understanding what is being said? Because if you're going to use all these words, the theologically based words, if you're going to talk about epistemology and ecclesiology and hermeneutics, everyone in, maybe even in this room will go, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that is. Then I can't use that because it's not clear. Next on your notes. Believers in Jesus must be clear on what we are saying. We talked about this last week about how the prophet, what he says is greater than what he does. We read that in Deuteronomy. Believers in Jesus must be clear on what we're saying, but to be clear on what we're saying, we must be clear on what we believe. And to be clear on what we believe, we must be clear on God's word. Next on your notes. If I think or believe something contrary to God's word, I am wrong. How do we know what a false prophet is? Someone who speaks against God's word. No matter how eloquently it comes out, no matter how believable it might be, when you look at someone's position, when, you, when, you're, when you're looking at what they're saying, and you're following their logic, and, well, I, I want to look at it, they're painting this picture that would step aside from the inerrancy or the perfection of God's word, from Jesus Christ living a perfect life, from him being the only way to heaven. If you sidestep or water down any of that, my friend, that is falsely prophesying. <clears throat> if I think something that's contrary to God's word, or I think, oh, it's outdated, our culture has evolved. We have a species that have evolved past the point of these archaic rules in this ancient book that was written all this time ago. If you think that, you are wrong. And I love you enough to tell you you're wrong. There's been moments where I've tried even in the ministry, trying to take a scripture and bend it to the thing that I thought was going to be cool and get a reaction out of everybody. And doing that is wrong. This will preach right here. If, I, if it would just say this word instead of that word, man, it would preach a lot better. So I could kind of like kind of weave it in there. No, I'm wrong. We have to be clear on God's word. Because his word will, inf what will it do? Transform us by the renewing of our, and our mind will inform our beliefs, and our beliefs is going to control what comes out of our mouth and our actions. <clears throat> so, why do we spend this morning, first few minutes, going through all these songs? Because the ones I played correctly, you understood what they were. Right? The ones that I played, you know, uh, I got three chords in before she knew Casey and JoJo. Right? She knew, because she, she knew the, right? The, um, shout to the Lord, all you 90s church folks. 
right? <clears throat> you guys all knew it. Um, uh, the, 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 the lead line, the intro line in for To Worship You I Live. Everybody recognize it. Why? Because the melody line is clear. He's using this as an example that I'm just building upon today. If you are going to present the gospel, if you are going to prophesy, speak truth where truth needs to be told, if you're going to talk about living righteous, righteously, if you're going to be public with your faith, you're going to have to be clear on what you're playing, on what words are coming out of your mouth. His words, not mine. Even a lifeless instrument like a flute or a harp has to play the notes clearly so you can hear the melody. You, his words, you are the, it's the same thing with you. You have to be clear on what you believe, on what God's word says, so that when it comes out of your mouth, it's clear. When I did, I belong to you. Right? Everybody that knows Frontline heard that song and went, oh, I know what that one is. Because of the melody. Those notes are F sharp, F sharp, A, E, E, A, F sharp, G, A, G, F sharp, D, F sharp, E. All those are the notes in there, right? You know them because they're played in the correct order. I'm going to play those same notes that I just called out to you. I'm going to play them again and see if you can make out the melody. Ready? Right. Remember that song, guys? Remember that one? It was great. Remember worshiping to this one? Remember that? Remember all the times you cried on the floor? God, I love you. Remember this one? It was awesome. <clears throat> Most of you are like, stop it, bro. What is the matter with you? Why? It's not clear. No one knows what you're playing. No one knows what I'm trying to say. Why? Not clear. But I'm playing all the notes. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Let me, let me, let me, let me modernize it for you. Bro, I come to church. Is that enough? No. Why? Because you may not be clear. Bro, I gave in the offering. Oh, we have an offering box right there. I keep forgetting an announcement. It's back there on the table. It's a black where you can give online at RCC Phoenix, right? But I give in the offering. <laughs> right, I give, it, I give in the offering. Isn't that enough? No. Is that a good thing? Yes, it's in the mix here, but why do you do it? Oh, because you said there's an offering box back there, and I'm supposed to give in the offering, right? Make Jesus happy? No, that's not why. You're not clear. And if we take in the constant noise or we're impacted by the fear that the culture would breed into us, 
or the need to just distort what we're doing enough so that the people around us will still like us or feel like we still have friends or we can just bend a couple of things just so I could kind of blend in because I don't know about you, but all the people out there talking that are not talking from a clear perspective of God, it's just noise. We read it in 1 Corinthians 13. It doesn't matter if you know what your gift is. It doesn't matter if you have the gift of prophesy. It doesn't matter if you have the gift of of speaking in tongues. If you don't have love, you're nothing. If I speak in the tongues a minute of angels and have not love, I am nothing. If I have given, if I have the insight, if I have the gift of prophecy and insight to all knowledge and all secret things, but have not love, I gain nothing. If I give all I have, if I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I am nothing. Why? Because it's a, well, you, I'm playing the notes, but without love, it's just a clanging cymbal and a gong. It just sounds like this. Who cares if you got all the notes in there? You're not doing it from a position of love. This is what it sounds like. No one gets the clear message. What Paul is saying is you got to be clear. What do I do? I got to eliminate the flesh. I got to not operate from fear. I got to spend time in his word. I got to make sure I know what I believe. And the melody or the message becomes clear. Why does Paul talk about doing your role, performing your role? Because uh, newsflash, none of us are the melody. There's one God, one person, one master musician who has determined what the melody should be. And if you go, well, my gift is to serve. I'm going to start by serving God, serving other people, and serving the world around me. Then what happens is, is you move in harmony with the God who has dictated what the melody is. And instead of just hearing... begin to add in see what I mean and if one person figures out their gift is a serve and the next one says my gift is prophecy my gift is is um, uh, is giving or generosity then all of a sudden you fit you roll out the rest of it And then when everybody begins to function in their role without looking at somebody else and going, I wish I had that gift, or I wish I had that gift, or I'm not as important as the person who does that gift. When we all begin to function in our role, he weaves it all together and puts it together, fills it out. There's passing chords that some of us can't hit. My left hand can't do what my right hand is doing. I can add things. I can follow him. But there's no way that you can know what your harmony part is unless you know the melody. 
Ask any of the singers in here, of which I'm not one. Ask them. I'm going to play a brand new song for you you've never heard before. I want you to harmonize. And we're not playing the melody for you. What's, what are we even doing? Just, you, you don't, you don't, I don't I have no point of reference to be even to begin. So to be clear on your role, you have to know the melody. And there is only one who gives the melody to all of us. And it is not the person who sits here behind the pulpit and teaches because he's got a public facing ministry that helps to, that helps teach everybody. It is the God that all of us are called to serve. And you got to be clear on him for your role to be clear. <clears throat> you going to eliminate the noise? Or are you just going to jump in part of it? Oh, watch this. I'm going to light Twitter up. Some more noise. That person thinks they can say that. They think they can come on, uh, on, 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 on my feed or my page or whatever and do something. Just noise, man. How are you going to cut through the noise? The simple clarity of the message of the gospel. is far more appealing than, than all that. And this, everybody thinks that making noise garners attention. No. What people are looking for, because the melody giver has put eternity in their heart. And since you're his plan, Since you're his plan, since you are the one that he's saying, I wish you would pursue being a prophet, not somebody who's out there pulling out the card numbers out of somebody's wallet or predicting who's going to be the next president. Worthless. What does that do? Look at me. I have the inside scoop the guy. No, wrong. What should those messages do? Why? Has your covenantal loyalty left you? Got to be clear. Is the way you live publicly a clear representation of Jesus? Is the way you talk to others? a clear representation of Jesus? Does the way you handle stress, anger, frustrating circumstances, disappointments, wrongdoing, betrayal, um, uh, delays, does your response paint a clear melody, a clear message of God's goodness? Or it just part of the noise. We had a conversation earlier this week um, where someone was talking about the way a Christian person presented a message. I mean, you know, we're like, man, I love the message. I mean, I agree with the sentiment, but the way they present it is not loving. 
but I got the truth in here. I know what the Bible says. I, I got the message right. I got all the notes in here. But if I don't present it right, that's all that's heard. We have to be clear. We have to be. If we're going to do what he's saying, I wish all of you would speak truth where it needs to be talked or talked about, that you would address people to, to live a righteous life, to go public with your faith, to not bend to the, the, the whims of the culture because you want to remain popular or accepted or because I want to stay, I want to, I want to stay in um, some type of relationship with people that I know are not even serving God. All of that added stuff is just bringing noise to the message. It's not becoming clear. So, <clears throat> The last part of this message, I want us, the whole, everybody who's a Christian should be clear on some basic things. I'm not the pastor of everybody who's a Christian. My responsibility is to teach us first. So, us. I want us to be very clear on four basic things. The next line of your notes. The first one is the gospel. <clears throat> the gospel. I know the word gospel means good news. Most of you guys probably know that the word gospel means good news. But if I were to ask you, what is the gospel? Can you tell me what the gospel is in 60 to 90 seconds? Can you do it? Are you clear on what the message of the gospel is? Can you tell someone God is perfect and holy and created everything? The moment I made my first mistake, which was right after I was born, I fell short of his eternal standard and I had no way to connect with him. But because he is such a loving, gracious God, he looked at the filthiness of my life of mistakes. Some of them were real mistakes. Some of them were on purpose because I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. And I knew it was wrong, and I did it anyway. The only way that a holy God could see someone like me in a different light is for him to send his son to live the life I couldn't in perfection. And when my faith goes into Jesus, it's not just like, oh, this is my religion. No, he transforms me into a new creature. He takes his spotless righteousness clothes me in it and covers up my garbage so that when God sees me, he sees the, 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 the washed, perfect righteousness of God and says, you have met the requirement to be with me in heaven. And I am choosing to see my son's righteousness and not your own, which is a filthy rag. And I cannot ever do anything to earn it all I have to do is say, Jesus, I take the gift, and that reconciles me to my creator. He changes me. He empowers me. He gives me purpose, and that is the good news. I was lost, but now I'm found. Um, I was blind, but now I see. I could re 
cite the words of amazing grace. How sweet the sound to save the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I'm blind, but now I see. That message is me. And that is good news because I could not fix it on my, my own. He fixed it for me. You don't have to say it like I did. You might be like, oh, I like how you use that line. I like how, and fine, take it. But can you take the message and clearly articulate it in the language of the people that you are around every day? You're Gen Z. I was totes mid, fam. <laughs> He's cringing. No riz. <laughs> you know, and the big homie got me lit. I don't know what to say, but I, that's why I'm. That's why I'm not like like. Uh, but I'm going on TikTok tomorrow with this message. No, people are like, please don't. I'll have to never tell anybody I know you, right? I'm. You understand what I'm saying? I'm being humorous, right? But can you speak the language of the people who listen to you? Are you clear enough with what the principles are and the truth is to present it so you're not this, so you're clear? Can you have a longer conversation? If someone goes, man, I've never heard anybody talk like that. Can you tell me more about it over lunch? Can you have a 45-minute conversation with someone where you talk to them about what the gospel is and what it did for you? You don't have to be theologically an expert in anything. Just talk about the good news, the hope of the gospel, how you got saved. Can you do that? If not, you need to practice now. Now. Because especially around Christmas, especially around New Year's, you have more of an opportunity to talk to people about God's goodness than a random Tuesday in June. God will open the door whenever he sees fit to open the door, but there's some seasons where people are like, when do people go to the church? Most people. Christmas and Mother's or Easter, right? There's like two or three days a year when they go, right? This is one of those times. Can you talk to somebody about the gospel now? You need to practice now. What do you mean practice? You mean like if I'm, a, yes, get in front of a mirror. Record yourself. You're driving down the street. I don't care what it is. Talk it out loud until you get comfortable enough to say, I could articulate this and it be believable. That's the message of the gospel. We have to be able to know what it is clearly and articulate it. The second thing, God's standard. Next thing I know, God's standard. <clears throat> Can we explain sin? What is acceptable, what is beneficial, what honors and grieves God. Yes, things grieve God. Can we communicate what that standard is? People, when they feel conviction, when you communicate that standard, are going to be like, are you saying I'm going to hell? I'm not saying that. I'm telling you what the standard is, God's standard for all of human beings. If I don't subscribe to it, I'm destined for an eternity without him. Can you articulate God's standard? The third thing, God's plan, not the Drake song. <clears throat> for all you college folks. <clears throat> I'm in on the cool stuff. God's plan. Can we explain God's desire? 
his plan to accomplish his purpose? Are you clear on your identity in Christ and how to find your purpose inside his ultimate plan? Are you clear on that? What is the plan? What is his, um, his desire for every human being? How do you play a role in that? Are you clear on it? The last one, the future. Here's where I am comfortable in the prophetic voice talking about the future. I'm going to predict the future. Ready? Jesus is coming back. I don't care if it's post-mill, mid-trib, late, I don't care. I heard somebody say, I, I have a I don't matter trib. You know what I mean? It don't matter trib. We've talked about that before. Um, I heard another guy say this week that he's pan trib. It'll all pan out. You know what I mean? I'm like, hey, I'm about to take that one. That's a good one. <clears throat> but are you, do you know what the future holds? What are the outcomes for how we live our life? How do those outcomes apply to believers and unbelievers? What are the temporary and eternal consequences? Are we clear on the ramifications of sin? Are you clear about what's coming in the future for people who live for God and who don't live for God, for what is coming in the temporary and the eternal? Are you clear on that? Some of you will be like, man, I learned all this stuff a long time ago. I just haven't really thought about it, but yeah, I know what this is. Great, great. You need to now take that and let it be coming out of here in the right spot. I'm not just going to walk into a place and be like, I'm throwing the truth down here today. You may not have an opportunity to do that. The prophet speaks the truth where the truth needs to be spoken. I'm going to walk in here and wreck some folks today. Well, that, well that you are doing that. That's not honoring God, being his ambassador. This is you ambassadoring yourself. Not a representative of heaven. Paul's instruction here is evident. As people who should be desiring and pursuing the gift of prophecy, we should do the work to be clear on what we believe. And in doing so, we can be clear on what we say to others when the opportunity is presented to us. And my guess is that the reason that God would drop this on my heart at this time is that there are opportunities for all of us that are coming for us to be clear. <clears throat> I don't want you to dig into it now, but I did the work, a lot of the work for you on your notes. The last page or two pages on your notes is what I'm calling a study guide. It's not really a study guide. I've tried to figure out a cooler name for it, but you know, my totes lit fam stuff shows you just how cool I am, right? <clears throat> so I just called it the study guide. I have given you scriptures for every one of those areas we just talked about. Four areas about the gospel, about God's standard, about his plan, and about the future. I put all of that there for you to take with you and let that be not the only part that you study, but the jump start for what you study. I am trying now to prepare you 
and equip you so that you are clear when the inevitable opportunity comes for you to tell others about Jesus. You have instructions, you've got his word, and if you're clear on his word, you're, it'll renew your mind, and if you're clear in your mind, it'll inform what you believe, and if you know what you believe, it'll come out of your heart. There's a difference, a major difference, <clears throat> between a person who goes, Uh, when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the othermost. You know, when I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and turned me around, how he placed my feet on solid ground. You know, at those moments, it makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, God. Yeah, there's there's a way to know what the words are. You can even know what the melody is. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me. You can do all that. You can know what the melody is. You know what it's clear. But the thing about the prophet, it's somebody, we talked about this, touched on it a little bit last week, who was already loyal to the God who saved, who stayed close to that God, stayed close to him, understands what grieves him, is clear on his relationship with that God. And because, what's the, old, the end of that song? Because he first loved me. Because he first loved me, I will gladly do what he says because those who love him keep his commandments. And you can go to all the people you want and be like, you know what I think about God and what he did when he saved me. Yeah, turn me around. Yeah, life's a lot better. You can do that and just know what to say. Or you can bring the reality and the depth of that love for God and tell somebody, when I think about How He saved me, how He raised me, how He filled me with the Holy Ghost. How he healed me to the utmost. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and turned me around. How he placed my feet on solid ground. It makes me want to shout hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, Lord, you're worthy of all the glory and 
sing like her. You don't need to. It just needs to be clear and how it changed needs to be clear. Because I could talk a long time about the wickedness that was in my heart. I didn't let it come out of my actions a lot because I was a rule when I think about him and how he took the jealous angry lustful horrific hateful heart that was inside me as a minister and he still said hey I can take that and use that message is clear. But what he did to me. I'm not trying to get you to recite a bunch of scriptures. Can you talk about his goodness? You know exactly what he brought you from. Do you know how messed up you were? And he still said, I'll look past all of that. To a point where I'll still use you. I'll still let you stand on the stage and talk to people. Undeserving. I'll still let my words come out of your mouth. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. It's got to be clear. 